It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. We are doing something different with this episode, and that is trying out a brand new social media platform called Clubhouse App. It is a new platform that lets people chat in real time, share stories, collaborate, brainstorm, and it's just audio. You can like name these chats. It's kind of like a a forum, an audio-based forum. And it appealed to me for two reasons. One, because we're podcasters and we're using audio anyways. And two, because I love trying new social media platforms. And Jason was open to sharing and trying it out with me today. So what we're going to do is do our very first Clubhouse. On Clubhouse, it's called Creating a Room. And you just go on there and talk. And you can set it so that Only people that you know can join and listen, or we can open it up to the whole world, like anybody on Clubhouse, which by the way, at the time of this recording on January 4th, 2021, it is invite only, but who knows, that might change. And if we get any extra invites and you really want to join Clubhouse and you haven't been able to get one, you know, hit us up. We might have an extra one to share. Right now, I just used up mine. My one and only invite went to Jason so he could try it out. And I'm just going to see what happens. And we get to share in real time the experience of being on this new platform. So we created a room called Ethical Entrepreneurship and Mindful Monetization. My setting is on open. I'm going to screenshot this actually. And I will put the screenshot so you can actually see what Clubhouse looks like if you haven't been able to get in there. There are some videos and tutorials, of course, you can check out. But if you go to the show notes of wellevator.com, I'll try to document this experience visually as well as through this audio. And uh, if you are on Clubhouse, hit us up. I'm under Eco Vegan Gal right now, but I'm Jason, I I didn't tell you this, but before I got my invite... I claimed my username Wit Lauritsen, which is the username I want to have, but I did it under my business phone number. And then I got invited to Clubhouse through my personal phone number. And because I reserved my Wit Lauritsen username, I wasn't able to use it. It's so complex because this app is so new. So long story short, I'm temporarily stuck with Eco Vegan Gal. <laughs> we haven't created a Wellevator account because you're actually not supposed to have multiple accounts on this platform at the moment. Anyways, I'm at Eco Vegan Gal, and if that changes, I'll let you know as a listener. And Jason, what's your username? Jason Robel, W R O B is in baby E L. You keep it nice and simple. I aspire to that part of the reason I'm transitioning over to Whit Lauritsen as a username. Anyways, it's interesting you talk about this naming thing, you know, because like there's only one platform that I have which is not just my name that I had to modify. And that's Facebook, because apparently there are many Jason Robels floating around the world that I have yet to assassinate. I don't know what they're doing with my name. Thank you very much. They probably feel the same way about you. They're probably like so annoyed that you've claimed Jason Robel as a username across the web. <laughs> yeah, and I have. And every single platform is just Jason Robel except for Facebook because there's some dude in Wisconsin with my name floating around and I couldn't get it. So Facebook is actually Jason Robel official. But every single other platform is just, you know, at Jason Robel. So whatever. Maybe he'll die and I'll get his username. 
Well, before we hit let's go, which is the terminology they use to start a room on Clubhouse, Jason, in live time, in real time, I would love to discuss like a quick tactic, just like we did the other day when we did our Instagram live. I think with live content, people are going to be coming in and out. I don't even know if anybody's going to listen. That's going to be the interesting thing. So we might have to like continuously disclose. So I guess like, here's what I'm thinking is you and I are getting on here as an experiment. We have no idea how long we'll do the clubhouse. (laughs) I don't know. Do people call it the clubhouse? I have no idea. We'll just go on and see what happens. We might get people joining. And then for the listener, one of the cool things about Clubhouse is other people can, I think, raise their hands and join the conversation. So you all have that on speaker. And Jason, if you're, I guess we should just turn off our mics off and on because of we don't want any echo. So we'll have to be mindful about that. And we might just have to repeat ourselves a bunch. So heads up to the listener because people might be coming in and out of our Clubhouse room. It's very likely Jason and I will repeat ourselves for new people, just like we would on Instagram Live or any other live platform. It's not something that we typically do on the podcast, but it is a standard practice for live video. So just pretend you're listening to us live, even though you're listening to the recording right now. Do you have anything else that you want to discuss, Jason, to set us up for success? Or should we just jump in and see what happens. Yeah, I think in the sort of, you know, practicing what we preach in terms of radical experimentation and being life experimentalists, we talk about that on the podcast. We're doing it in real time live with you. It could be great, it could be a disaster, it could be annoying, it could be enlightening. We don't fucking know. We never know. And so it brings me back to the you know I always love to have my jasonisms. Before we begin, I will leave you with this. Lao Tzu, the great Chinese philosopher, said, act without expectations. So here we are trying something new, going on a brand new social media platform I've never been on. And we're going to jump in and talk about ethical entrepreneurship and mindful monetization, our perspectives on what we've observed in the entrepreneur world, the wellness industry, some things we've seen that work well, some things that we think are ethically dubious and want to call out. So that's what we're going to focus on today. It should be fascinating. And if anybody joins us, hopefully with the speaker, the podcast will hear. So I guess, Jason, what I will do is hold it up to my podcast mic and you can type in the chat if it sounds okay. So mute yourself when you're not talking and I'll have mine on the rest of the time. And then we should just disclose to every guest that come. if anybody joins the room, we should disclose to them that we're recording it for the podcast. And I guess we can edit it out too, right? (laughs) And then, you know. There might be some people we know. There might be strangers. Again, we have, we have no idea what's about to happen. I feel a little nervous. Like I've got some butterflies in my stomach. I feel like I'm actually going on stage. How do you feel right now, Jason? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm, I, I, it's like your when, superpower. When, You're so you can just dive right into things. I get really nervous right before I do something new. Yeah, I just think that like for me, I, it's like you know we're in the great unknown. Like, let's just go for it and see what happens. And in that aspect though, Whitney, from a technical perspective, do you want me to mute my audio on my phone? Like I should mute the audio on my phone, correct? Hmm. I guess we'll just see what happens. All right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know yet. Well, well, dear listener, if this is a train wreck, (laughs) well, thanks for being with us on the train wreck. (laughs) And if it's great, if it's a a amazing Zeppelin in the sky, that's great too. But here we go. I guess we're going to try something brand new. 
Maybe this will be a new trend. We'll go and try different things on the podcast and record our experiences with it. All right. I'm hitting let's go on Clubhouse right now, and I have no idea what's going to happen next. Okay. So I'm in. Jason, I think I hit the plus sign. Okay. I'm inviting you in. I can ping you in. What the heck? This is really weird. Okay. How does it feel in here so far? I'm going to screenshot this. I'm so curious to hear the recording of what this will sound like. But I think what we should do is like hang out. And then if anybody joins, we just jump into the topic because nobody, maybe no one will join us. I really like the headshot that you chose, Jason. So for the podcast listener, at the very least, you should check out the show notes at wellevator.com to see what Clubhouse looks like. And if you don't care about Clubhouse, you might just be interested simply because of Jason's cool headshot. What, what's the story behind that headshot, Jason? Well, the story behind the headshot is uh, my salon here in LA called Liberated Salon, uh, which is something you introduced me to, Whitney, uh, years ago. That was like 2012. I've been going to see Brandon Balderrama. Uh, if anybody's in the LA area and wants to support a really amazing ethical conscious, eco-friendly, sustainability-minded salon. They're my favorite in town. So, I mean, obviously, we're going on, what, nine years? Oh my God, nine years I've been going to Brandon. So that was actually after a haircut I had last year, 2020, before the pandemic hit. And they have a whole, like a backdrop with a ring light and different different colored backdrops. And I was feeling myself that day. You know, I was like, I got a fresh new cut. I got my jean jacket. I'm feeling sexy. So uh, that's a headshot from the salon in the in the I guess selfie booth they have set up there. So yeah, that's that's definitely not a professional headshot. But yeah, legit though. I, I think you know since we are talking about ethical entrepreneurship, one thing that I always endeavor to do is seek out businesses that are in alignment with my values, right? Is that if I know that my money as embodied energy is going to support something that I believe in, that stands for social justice, that stands for human rights, animal rights, sustainability, you know, I'm going to keep going. That's why I've been nine years with the same guy because his life philosophy and his values are in alignment with mine. And I want to keep giving money to somebody like that, you know? And I know you feel the same way because you're the one who introduced me, Whitney. You're the one who brought me to to Brandon, yeah, almost nine years ago. Well, I love it when you shout out somebody, Jason. It's really sweet. And, you know, it's interesting. Observations on Clubhouse right now. First of all, I'm actually surprised that nobody has joined unless people are able to join without us seeing them. Like, that's one thing I don't know. I don't know how this app works. It reminds me of when you and I did Periscope for the very first time, Jason. Remember that? We were in my kitchen and... We set up Periscope on a tripod, and the person I remember being on that live video was from Dandy's Marshmallow. What is his name? I'm blanking on it at the moment. Isn't it Dan Miller? Yep. Mm-hmm. Dan Miller. Shout out to Dan Miller. Shout out to Chi-Town. I Do you remember this too? Do you remember our first live video with Periscope? And this is interesting because I'm guessing that was 2013, and just like we're doing with Clubhouse right now, we're experimenting to see you know, what something's like. And and I'm really excited about this because I asked my friend that I met through TikTok, Sam, 
to do a clubhouse with me and we're having a meeting <laughs> to discuss it. I've never met her in person. So TikTok's bringing us together. But we're going to explore the idea of doing a clubhouse together. And she's also on the cutting edge of social media. She has a great Instagram account and TikTok. I will put that in the show notes of wellevator.com. And anyways, I'm glad that we're doing this together right now, Jason, because it's like getting our feet wet because I had no idea what was going to happen. But going back to like expectations, I'm surprised that nobody's joined the room, not coming from my ego, but like I expected that people would just come in out of curiosity. You know what I mean? So it's like, is the title not pulling people in? Is it because it's us and we don't have a lot of followers? Is that not how people use this app? Like, what are your observations of it from this so far? I think, first of all, anytime you join a brand new social platform, or at least brand new to us, it's a it's a crapshoot in the sense that it's going to take trial and error. It's going to take experimentation. It's going to take you know consistency and repetition. And that that's something that's come up a lot for me too recently is consistency and repetition. And it seems that, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast and also in our program, The Consistency Code of we can have all of the knowledge, the training, work with the right mentors, pay tens of thousands of dollars for the coach, do all the things. But if discipline and consistency and repetition isn't a part of our daily habitual behavior, we're not going to see really the sort of manifestations, in my opinion, of a lot of that knowledge. Like knowledge without implementation and consistency in practice, it doesn't really turn into wisdom. You know, I mean, it's it's like reading a book, taking a course, working with a coach and being like, yeah, I did that. I checked that box off. But, you know, I say this because whether that's the coaching you and I do or whether that's, you know, something that I started recently, which was musical instruction. You know, I didn't expect during the pandemic to have a side hustle as a guitar instructor. Well, first of all, because, you know, I'm not a terribly advanced guitar player, I would consider myself an intermediate guitar player. But through some interesting avenues, I suddenly found myself with two clients, you know, teaching them guitar. And it was like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but it's holding me to a higher standard of me making sure that I am on top of my game as a musician, as learning, so that I can pass that knowledge and that wisdom along to other people. But the other thing too, Whitney, and, and this is part of our conversation, I think, today about you know ethical entrepreneurship and mindful monetization is I've been very, very, very mindful and very aware of not wanting to over-promise and under-deliver things in the sense that if someone's going to come to me we're talking about musical lessons now. And they're like, I want you to teach me arpeggio sweeps. And I want you to teach me to tap like Eddie Van Halen and, you know, work with the Mixolydian scale and, and Middle Eastern music. I would look at them and say, I can't help you, you know, rather than, oh, I can teach you that stuff. I can jump in and do that. But the issue that I see, and I've done this in the past, right? As a, as a younger entrepreneur, very hungry, very desperate, very deep in the hustle culture, was just, you know, revenue generation, right? And even if I didn't deliver on what I said, as long as I got the contract or got the enrollment, I mean, I need to take responsibility if I look back at my career for all the times that I willfully dropped the ball for people because I was just so obsessed with making money or making ends meet or, you know, I remember the first year, like I hit six figures. It was just, I was psychotically obsessed with hitting that number. Did I do some things that were intentionally malicious? No. Did I overpromise and underdeliver? Absolutely. And I'm really being mindful of not doing that 
not just in business, but in life, you know, where maybe we want to please people. People pleasing is a huge thing. We have fear of rejection. We have fear of abandonment. We have fear of not being a part of the community. And I think as business owners, it's really easy to make big claims and to want to help people, but then overlook the details and overlook the promises of what we've shared with people because the revenue is coming in. It's like, there's something about when you start making a decent amount or a lot of money where I found that shit starts to fall through the cracks. And I think that's just a good kickoff wit to say, like, I don't really want to do that anymore. You know, and I'm being mindful not to. I'm glad that you brought up this idea of not overpromising because actually I put this into action with a client of mine recently. I was on the doing the onboarding process with a, a new social media client. And I really like this this person. I was excited to work with him, but he he seemed to have a lot of big expectations. So I was feeling concerned. I was I was concerned that the level of what he thought I was going to do with the amount of money and time was not going to be up to par with his expectations. And so I actually said to him in my email through the onboarding process, like I would like to under promise and over deliver because then I feel like I can more easily exceed expectations, you know? And he really appreciated that. So it was actually a great way to onboard a client because I I learned that from working at Apple. Going back to observations on Clubhouse, are you having trouble finding the mute button, Jason? Yeah, I, I'm afraid to touch. It's right at the bottom right oh, corner. Okay, I was, I was going to say, I'm afraid to touch anything on this screen. Um, <laughs> what are you afraid of? Well, because there's a plus button and there's a hand that's slapping a piece of paper. And the only thing that's labeled is a leave quietly button. So I'm like, I better not press the icon that has a hand slapping down on a piece of paper. Because what should I hit that? What the hell is that button? How differently we use apps, you know, <laughs> because the hand slapping, I, I touched everything. I've used the leave quietly button before because... I've been in other rooms. And that's, I think, why I had this expectation that people would join our room within a matter of minutes, because that's typically how live videos work. Like, usually you get a few people. But I guess this one must really be about your following. Like, you must need a big following to get people to join in. Anyways, I've been in rooms. I've used the leave quietly button, which is interesting to me because I actually really enjoy that term, leave quietly. And I wish that that would be implemented at more live events or just Zoom events in general or digital events, because so many people will just like come in and out and they're making noise and they're in the chat room and they're not being respectful to the speakers or the panelists. And I just think it's a cool button to have. So I, but going back to the hand slapping symbol, and again, we'll put this in the show notes so you can see what he's referring to. It is like a hand with a piece of paper. And I think that that I tapped on it already. And you can too, Jason, now that uh, you're not so afraid of it. It's just whether or not you as the moderator allow people to raise their hands and participate. So you and I could just be here on the panel and people could be listening. But we are allowing if somebody if a stranger joined our room right now, then they could come on and raise their hands to speak. And I guess, as moderators, you and I could allow them the plus symbol, we actually might want to try just in what's the word like, because we're trying to experiment here, we could hit the plus symbol and you can do this on your end and we can ping somebody and invite them in the room. <gasps> Ooh, 
my friend Devin is on here, but here's what's interesting. So when you click the, and I keep getting a poor connection signal. Are you getting that on your end, Jason? No, I, my connection is actually pretty strong. And, and when I hit the plus button, as an example, okay, because it's not scary anymore. Thank you, Whitney. Our dear friend, who's also an entrepreneur, an ethical entrepreneur, is our friend Kelly Bennett, who was one of our, actually, she was our second guest here on the podcast, which is a fantastic episode. We will link to that in the show notes at our website, which if you, hasn't, if you haven't visited yet, dear listener, it's wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can click on the podcast in the upper uh, navigation. It'll take you to the show notes and to Kelly's episode. So Kelly is live right now. So we could ping her into the room and see what happens. She, may be, she might be like, what the hell are they doing? But I don't know. Do we want to try it and see what happens? Well, I just tried it and... I don't know fully how it works because I hit the plus sign and then I tapped on some people. I nominated my friend Devin, Kirk, Monica, who we also had on the show, and Sam, who I mentioned earlier from TikTok. I guess I could also ping Jason Horton, but like, oh, wait, this is interesting. (laughs) This is so fascinating and live time. This is like, welcome to Clubhouse experimenting 101 because I tried to ping Jason Horton. And it says his notifications are off, but I can use message. So I think that means I can text him. Let me just see what happens. Because Jason Horton's also been on our podcast, and he's the one that invited me to Clubhouse to begin with. So we'll link to their episodes. I just clicked on Sam. Oh, Jason Horton. Wow, that was fast. Jason, you are our very first guest on this, and I am so excited about this. (laughs) I can't believe how quickly he joined. I was just about to say, Jason Horton, that we are currently, in full disclosure, recording a podcast episode on Clubhouse. This is our very first time doing a room, and we are going to link to your episode on our podcast for the listener who has not listened to your episode yet or wants to re-listen to it. So, you know, hopefully you can hear us, Jason Horton. You're welcome to raise your hand. You can join the conversation if you'd like. We're just playing around here and I just also want to thank you for inviting me on the platform because then I invited Jason Robel on the show. I also want to give a shout out J-Ho from J-Row. And it's also just, it's interesting, Whitney, the number of Jasons we have had on the podcast and continue to have. I mean, I, I realize in the 70s and early 80s, it was probably up there with the most popular baby names, but there's a lot of Jasons floating around. And interestingly, tangentially speaking, because I have no idea what I'm doing right now. The origin of the name Jason is actually Greek in etymology, and it means healer, which I thought was pretty cool because that's one of the things that obviously I'm very passionate about, we're passionate about. It's one of the reasons we do this podcast and do social media is to encourage people to explore their own healing path. And that's something, you know, I've been really, really making a lot of headway and trying to do new things with my mental health. And, you know, speaking of of kind of entrepreneurship and social media, you know, I'm still trying to navigate my way through talking about mental health online because I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed mental health professional. Although sometimes I think I should go back to school and get a master's degree or a doctorate or something so that I can kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, this, it's this weird reticence that at times I feel like I want to pivot my individual brand and also Wellevator more, to be honest with you, like more niche into mental health and emotional wellness, but I get scared sometimes. We talk about over-promising and under-delivering of, 
you know, we're not qualified medical professionals who are in the mental health field. So I still feel like a reticence to fully dive into that because I don't know how people would receive myself or you and I going you know, into a deeper exploration of mental health resources when we're not technically professionals. Do you, do you dig what I'm saying? Like I, I felt a weird resistance to that. And that's interesting. Before I answer your question, Jason, I, I, I tried to invite Jason Horton as a speaker and then he disappeared. I don't know if he left the room purposefully or if he like goes into some holding room. Hater, <laughs> hater. Or he just he's like, fuck this. These guys are boring. <laughs> no, I imagine that he just has no idea what's going on either. But I think, Jason, now's a good time for you to invite somebody in. Because what I was going to say before Jason Horton joined in is that I hit the plus sign. I pinged him. He immediately came on. I'll try again. I don't know what's happening. When I tapped on someone like Monica Schrock, who's awesome, it's so weird. I'm curious what your experience is. It seems buggy. And I wonder, I'm going to switch over away from my Wi-Fi because I wonder if my Wi-Fi is getting in the way. Hopefully it doesn't kick me off, but maybe the connection will be better because I'm getting like a spinning wheel. So while I might be having tech difficulties, can you experiment, Jason, with inviting somebody in and see who shows up? Because I definitely think Kelly Bennett, let's nominate her for sure. Okay, let me do this because the other people, oh no, now Kelly, it says that she hasn't been on for 10 minutes. So next to the name. But you can send her a text message, I think. Like if you tap on her, does it give you an option to send her a text? Her notifications are off, so we can't reach them for you. Use message. You should join this room. Yeah, click on use message next. All right, and then it auto-populates a message that says, you should join this room. I am talking with Whitney Lauritsen about ethical entrepreneurship and mindful monetization. Then it sends a link. Should I just send it and see what happens? Yes. Or should I customize it? Hey, Kel, I only customize it because that's just so cold, the robot. Yeah, but she's on Clubhouse. Like This is going to be the normal way that we invite people, so can't be that weird. Okay, all right. I'm going to send it and see what happens. <laughs> and then I'll explain later. If she's like, what was it? I mean, obviously, she would know what it is, but it's a crapshoot. We're going to try it out and see. Again, if you're still with us, dear listener, we are practicing what we preach in doing real-time experimentation, trying things we've never done before getting uncomfortable. And I talked about that on on Instagram Live today too, Whitney, is like, you know, whether it's learning a new instrument or doing a new social media feed or starting a podcast, like discomfort and confusion and the general, you know, what the fuck am I doing is I think a necessary part of starting any new endeavor. You know, it's this this weird idea that if we're going to be starting an entrepreneurial adventure or, you know, picking up an instrument, all all the examples I mentioned that it's going to be clunky and weird for a while. And so it's important, I think, to not focus on the people who've been in the game for years and years and years and years and have a flow. It's going to be uncomfortable and painful and scary and weird whenever, I think, most things that we start. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, most new things are like, whoa, what is this? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'm having fun with this, but then there's part of me that gets triggered, like the perfectionist side of it of, oh, I don't want to do things wrong. And I think this is a good practice. Like right now, I'm, I'm so annoyed because I don't know what happened to Jason Green. Did he choose to leave or did he want to stay and got confused? Could he hear us? Like, you know, that remember the early days of live video, like going back to that, Jason? Remember, I mean, obviously Periscope, but then there was the heyday of Facebook Live, which I think was 
2014, maybe. And I remember how awkward that was. But it was also the heyday because... Can you hear me okay, by the way? I'm getting so many error messages on my screen, Jason. Yeah, actually, you're you're coming through really clear on not only the podcast, but also on Clubhouse. Like you, you ha- I haven't heard any breaks or any, you haven't like dipped out. So it's been fine on both. Well, another comment I have on Clubhouse uh, is that it's in live time, which is actually not the case with most other live platforms. You know, video streaming usually has a delay. And this is zero delay. Like when you're talking on Clubhouse, I can hear it on my speakerphone. It's in perfect sync with hearing you on Zencaster, the recording platform we use. So that's really cool. I would say overall, Clubhouse feels really intuitive. It's just like my next question is, how do you build a following? But that question is actually one of my favorites to answer because I love exploring social media, you know, and I have ups and downs. I don't know if, you know, everybody can say this, but I guess not everybody. But I've had I've had my fair share of ups and my fair shares of flops <laughs> and downs. I've lost follow I've gone through stages of losing followers and gaining followers and staying stagnant for a while. And then, you know, I talked about a little on the podcast recently how my account on TikTok grew rapidly due to posting about non-alcoholic drinks, which has been interesting. So I think that's the other side of this is the experimenting. And and I'm so grateful to you, Jason, for being willing to experiment with this because, first of all, one thing that could happen is that you and I did this session together and we both thought, meh, nothing happened. I'm not going to... It's not worth it. I'm not going to try again. And I would say for the listener... Whether or not it's Clubhouse, TikTok, any platform that you either have never tried or tried once and gave up on, I really encourage you to experiment more and be more open and not attached to the results. Because first of all, you and I, Jason, found a really clever way to experiment mindfully today, which is to record a podcast episode about this. So it's not like wasted time. You know, like one could sit here and be like, wow, we've been on Clubhouse for 20 plus minutes and only one person joined and then it got weird and we don't know what happened. So I'm never trying it again. My hunch is that Clubhouse requires you to put in a lot of effort, which actually makes it very appealing. Whereas a number of social media platforms, especially when they're new, they'll reward you a lot at the very beginning. And that's what I was expecting here. But I have a feeling that Clubhouse is going to be confusing because it's a new type of platform with audio only. Second of all, a lot of people aren't comfortable with audio like we are. And I want to remind the listener that Jason and I have done a lot of practice. Obviously, we've done over 100 episodes of this podcast. That's a ton of practice. But we've also been content creators on video for over 10 years each. So if you're feeling like you don't have the confidence that we have you can build that up. It is a skill that you can learn. And Clubhouse actually might be a great place because another plus for me about it is there's no video. And it's very easy. You know, aside from some of these like minor questions we've had, it was very intuitive and quick to set up. Wouldn't you say, Jason? Yeah. I mean, compared to 
some of the other platforms of the past that might have been kind of non-intuitive. I think that the I think the UI, the user interface experience with this is really clean and really intuitive, which I like. The other thing that you you mentioned, which is really interesting, Whitney, is you had said you were getting like some strange error messages that were coming up. And I just got a text from Kelly that said, oh, amazing. I just joined Clubhouse. I'll join it. So apparently Kelly said she's going to join. So we'll see what happens. But I just actually got a barrage of really bizarre error codes that jumped up in my Clubhouse, like expected code 204, 493, 504, like really strange codes just came up on my account. So I don't know what that means, but- Well, you know what it means. What? It means that we are such early adopters to this platform that we're experiencing all the error messages they have, which actually, which shows it's a, it's a sign that they're still beta testing and they're still working out the kinks. And that's exciting for me because, yeah, I'm getting the same, I'm getting request timeout and all these weird error messages. But that's really cool. It's cool to be able to, to see a platform in its infancy and Looking back on the history of platforms, like I said, Periscope, because you and I got on there so early. I don't know the timeline exactly of how long Periscope had been out before we got on there, Jason, but it was fairly soon. And remember, it took a while. Going back to the confidence side of it, it took a time for people to create and build that confidence to do live videos. Like it was really scary. I remember I was coaching people on that. And it was also really cool, unlike this platform, where if you went on Periscope and Facebook and all that, people would join just to like, see what it was like to watch a live video. And now it's so common that we take it for granted because almost every platform has a live element now. And I think this platform could actually be really cool for us as podcasters because maybe our listeners will join Clubhouse and they can listen to us live. And I've been looking for a live way for us to podcast anyway. So, you know, maybe that becomes our thing where we always do Clubhouse and then we kind of build from there. So again, going back to another thing I said earlier, when you're trying something new and it's not working and you're not getting the results, like see if you can add in another level of a reward system, like another benefit. So another Example of that could be chatting with your friends. You know, I'm super excited that we had Jason Horton briefly. We might have Kelly Bennett on here so we can catch up with her and just like hang out. You know, it's an excuse. And then I'm going to do a Zoom session and get to know Sam on another level and maybe do a clubhouse with her. And then that's cool because she's introducing me to her fans and her followers or her friends even. Right. So, like, you can think about all these different ways beyond the numbers. And that reminds me of one other thing, Jason, as we wait to see if Kelly joins us, is that it's so easy to judge our performance based on social media, but we never know what's working for us and what's working in some ways against us. Meaning like on Instagram, it's it's well known that we have this algorithm that takes has all these calculations into account about who sees your posts and when. So just because you post something on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever platform, and people aren't seeing it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your content or yourself. It just means that you are not within the constraints of, you know, their algorithm, you know, and I've noticed this big time on TikTok, which I've been on for over a year now. And it took me 
all this time of experimenting and going through phases of consistency and inconsistency to gain some momentum. And I don't know how long that momentum will last or where it will lead me. But my point is, is that I just had to keep trying and trying and trying. And if I'd given up, I wouldn't have experienced this, right? So we never know when it's going to hit. And we need to really work on not judging the value of ourselves or our content based on whether or not we're being rewarded on social media. We have to find another driving force. Well, I think the other thing too, and and this is this is anecdotal evidence, but it's something I've observed over and over and over again. I've noticed, Whitney, that on Instagram in particular, if I probably had to go back maybe to 2018 or so, I've noticed with, well, there's a few exceptions to this. Okay. That's why it's not a hard and fast rule. But I've noticed that algorithmically speaking, when I post a photo of myself, okay, or a human being, right, in the photo with me, it's almost guaranteed I'm going to get an exponential amount more likes and engagement from posting a photo with a human face, usually mine, right, in some context, versus if I post about something like the plant-based meal plans from our friends Michelle and Tony, or I post something about the 80-20 app or the bundle that we're doing at the time of this recording, and it's more of like a graphic type of static photo post, if my face isn't in there or my face isn't prominently featured as the focal point of the content, I've noticed that my engagement is dramatically lower. So it's a question that comes up, and we talk about ethics now, right, of presenting our content of, if I can throw this in, for lack of a better umbrella, more of a narcissistic category, that we see people being rewarded for posting photos of their bodies, their faces. You look at certain people's feeds that are just like, it's them, it's them, it's them. Like the entire feed is just them. It's like, okay, well, if we know that the algorithm, or at least in my, again, anecdotal evidence, looking at my posts being favored, featuring photos of my face or my body, then on one hand, I could say, well, then if I want to keep my engagement and my followers going, I ought to just keep posting photos of my face and my body. But what if creatively or artistically, I don't want to do that? What if I want to feature a a wider variety of content and not just that, right? It becomes this strange ethical consideration of, do I create content because it's going to be popular and I know it's going to please the algorithm? Or do I create from my own center, my own core, and fuck the results? And not just on Instagram, but I think in social media in general, it's becoming this dubious consideration of, do I try and rig the game and play to the algorithm, even if it means me denying certain things I want to post because I want to, quote, win? You know what I mean? And, And I don't want my whole feed to be just photos of myself and my body and my beautiful girlfriend or whatever. I want to f- put things on there that I feel are more heartfelt and authentic and post whatever the hell I want, you know? So it just brings up a strange consideration, especially if you're a business owner and you're trying to grow on social media of, again, do I please the algorithm and feed the machine or do I just post what I want? Yeah. I mean, that's the ongoing question. And I'm finding myself in that same place, Jason, especially with TikTok, because as we discussed in that recent episode we did I didn't expect for make a mocktail video, a a non-alcoholic cocktail to become so appealing to so many people. And then I made another one and that had a, a big viewership and on and on. And now it's like, have I accidentally boxed myself into something? And I've been reflecting a lot on that because I don't 
really want to be known as a mocktail creator on TikTok. I certainly wouldn't mind. It's not like against it, but but in the long run, is this my passion? Not at the moment. It could become my passion, but I doubt it. I don't plan to be a, what's the term for um, someone that creates alcoholic beverages? It's like a, so in the coffee shop, it's it's a barista. What's it called at a bar? Mixologist. Right. Yes. My intention is not to be a mixologist for non-alcoholic drinks, but I guess I'm exploring it because as I said in our other episode, it feels good to help people. It feels good to include people. It feels good to support them, to open their eyes, to teach them. So they're, just like I was saying before about trying new things, if you find the silver linings in something, then it actually can become worthwhile and you might actually kind of carve out a niche you weren't even expecting. And I think that's very authentic because it's like maybe you're being guided in that direction. Another example that this reminds me of is I've been working on my new ebook, The The Mindful Mug. And that's a concept I have had on my brain for months. And it, it all came out of feeling inspired to create a new ebook for 2021. And I thought, well, what's a subject matter I'm passionate about and I can easily share about? It's coffee. Well, it turns out that this project is not nearly as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I have had so much resistance to it, which I haven't really spoken to you about it, Jason. But like I set up this whole schedule for myself and I'm like, I'm going to get this book done on this day. And my goal is to get it done by the end of November 2020. Didn't happen. Then my goal was to get it done by January 1st. Didn't happen. Then my goal is to get it done today, January 4th. And that didn't happen. And Part of me was like, gosh, like Whitney, this is what happens in your, when you procrastinate. And I've just kind of like been beating myself up about it and feeling like not a failure, but feeling kind of discouraged or like disappointed with myself. But then I had to look into like why. And there's so many factors about why I've been procrastinating. On the other side of it, this is true of so much. I know for my personality, I tend to procrastinate things even when I enjoy them and even when I like don't find them hard per se or like when I'll when there's a lot of benefits of them like yoga is my classic thing. I procrastinate taking my yoga classes all the time even though I feel great after taking them. With this ebook, I finally sat down last night. That was my plan. I was like I'm going to wait till literally the 11th hour. And I'm going to write this ebook. And I started to do it and I enjoyed it and I gained that momentum. And it was like, where was this feeling weeks ago, months ago? And I don't know. I still need to do more exploration about being an 11th hour person. But I also wonder simultaneously if what if it's okay to be an 11th hour person? Like, I, I think I have this weird dual mindset. And I think you can relate to this, Jason, of not liking a quality of myself, but simultaneously accepting it and wondering like, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. I think so much of entrepreneurship is like put in these boxes, like you should be prepared and you should be on top of things. You should be on time and you should, you should, you should. And as we talked about in the episode with Trisha about shoulds, (laughs) which came out recently for those who hasn't listened to it, I think if we let go of the shoulds and just embrace our behaviors, like maybe we give ourselves more grace to either be
be that way or not be that way or, or flow back and forth between it. And ultimately, who cares? You know, we talked about this in episode we created earlier today that is coming out soon with Melissa. And we are talking about just overall inclusivity and acceptance and allowing people to be who they are in this question of like, why do we care so much? Ultimately, most people don't care nearly as much as we think they're going to. So we might as well show up in life the way we really want to. And that to me is authentic. All right. So I I, I want to comment on this point because I have been really, really having deep conversations about this subject of of being an 11th hour person in the context of how sometimes being an 11th hour person can create a lot of chaos and stress in life for not only oneself, but the people around you. And I wonder sometimes whether being a procrastinator or being an 11th hour or pushing things to what I call like a critical mass of you must take action now is something that we learned as a coping mechanism as kids or that chemically we're actually getting off on the adrenaline rush and the chemical rush by doing that. And and I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about mechanisms from our childhood of how we learn to do things. And an example, a couple examples, Whitney, that I wanted to bring up on this subject because I really have been talking about it and thinking about it a lot lately. It's like, um, you know, if you're in school and you realize that you're the type of student that is that can excel waiting to the last minute to study, waiting to the last minute to write a paper, and you're like, oh, I get mostly A's and B's. Why should I over-prepare then? Because I can wait till literally the last minute, and I know I'm going to get a good grade, right? But I think in some ways, as we get out of school and we become adults, that paradigm doesn't necessarily serve us in every aspect of our life. As an example, um, if we transpose kind of like this this procrastination or like, I'll take care of it later mentality, um, you know, you have a car and you wait until your your brakes are basically failing or, you know, it's metal on metal with your rotors. And then you're like, oh, I bet, I guess I better get the brakes fixed now. When months ago, the brakes were squealing, telling you, you need to get new brakes, right? Or a maintenance on a car or perhaps taking care of your taxes or doing something. And I'm not saying this to encourage fear around repercussions or the punitive aspects of life, but I have found that pushing for me, pushing things to the 11th hour and procrastinating generally creates more chaos and stress for me than is worth it. And I'm trying to do a much better job at handling shit in the moment and getting it done now doesn't mean I'm pr- I'm perfect at it or it, it filters into every aspect of my life. But my version of what you're saying, Wit, is I'm really trying not to do that because I've noticed when I procrastinate, when I when I engage in eleventh hour behavior, I feel so stressed and so anxious and so crazy that I don't like that feeling. And I'm curious for you if you actually enjoy that feeling, if you enjoy the adrenaline, if you enjoy the rush, if you enjoy the additional pressure that that sort of paradigm creates for you. Well, I think I do enjoy it. Obviously, I wouldn't show up that way if I didn't. And it's, yeah, it's something I maybe would need somebody to like do a full analysis of me on, or I'd have to like read a book on to fully like 
figure this out. You know, like who knows where it came from? I guess my point is, I don't know if there's anything wrong with it, you know? And I saw something the other day about how oftentimes our desires to constantly improve ourselves in itself can be a coping mechanism. Like we, or a trauma response, this desire to constantly change ourselves and optimize ourselves and figure ourselves out might not be great for us. So like, what if instead of trying to change myself and not no longer be an 11th hour person, what if I just allow myself to be that and and just accept it, you know, and maybe I'll change, maybe I won't. And I think that mentality helps me more because I don't need to change it. You know, like the consequences haven't been big enough for me to change. So thus, it doesn't need to be changed. It's not a priority, in other words. Yeah. And I I guess it comes down to the results in our lives, right? It's how do I want to phrase this? Not just in the results of like what our immediate aim or goal is. And and I want to use this as an example of, again, sort of mechanisms that we see, quote, work in our lives. There's a mutual friend of ours. I don't want to name them personally, but she has a tendency and a way of being that she's very aware of in business and her personal life, like across the board. It's not it's not a mutually exclusive thing where it's one aspect of it's 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 in her life that I have pointed it out and multiple close friends have pointed it out that in order for her to feel safe and in control, right, that she feels the need to bulldoze people and ramrod them and dominate them to get what she wants. And it's worked. It's worked in business. She's doing very well for herself. And it's sort of like when you when you have a way of being or you have a way of operating in the world and you see results like I'm making money, I'm doing well, my business is scaling, this must be working. But if we broaden the viewpoint to see, oh, but maybe this approach of bulldozing and steamrolling people and dominating them to get what I want is actually alienating some of my personal relationships, right? It's like it works in business but my personal relationships are being fractured and frayed and stressed by the same approach. And so I I say this because sometimes I think as humans, we see a practice or a thing we implement work in one aspect of life and get the results we want and then think, oh, we can probably transpose that and then apply it to other aspects of life. But I don't think it works that way. You know, I think think there's a, a lot of nuance in this type of thing of whether it's 11th hour or whether it's you know being a very dominating person in business i don't think one thing necessarily can work across the board in all aspects of our life even if we are saying to ourselves wit oh well i'm getting the results i want there must and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these approaches i think it's important to try and take a birds eye view of how it's affecting all aspects of our life not just our business absolutely i mean Just to go off of that part, it's like, I think that I show up that way in in a lot of capacities. And I think at this point, the awareness is there. And unless somebody asks me to show up differently or requires me to show up differently, then I don't see a need to change it. I think that's kind of my ultimate viewpoint. Like if somebody had come to me and said, I mean, unless this is your way of saying that to me, Jason, I don't know. But if somebody had come to me and said, you know, you being an 11th hour person is is painful for me or it's getting in the way of something, you know, like if somebody brought that up, then certainly I would want, I would make the changes. And I have before. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples of if anybody's approached me that way, but you know, the best one would be sometimes I show up as an 11th hour person when like, 
I'm timing out something and deciding when I'm going to leave and where I'm going to arrive. Like I'll get there right on time or like a minute beforehand. That's typically how I am. I'm rarely early. You know, there are some people or some occasions in my life where I go out of my way to show up early because that's important to them or show up right on time. So I am not late and I'm always willing to do that. And then if a job requires me to show up early for some reason, I suppose I would. But that's the thing is, is nobody really does like on time is on time. So being an 11th hour isn't late. It just means that you have an intense work period and it might literally be an hour or it might be a few hours, maybe 11th hours the day before or whatever it is. Maybe it's minutes before. So I guess like downside I see is that it does cause stress and it, it can lead to delays. Like for example, my ebook is delayed, but so far nobody seems to care. And I think ultimately that is my barometer, I suppose. If nobody cares, then why do I need to change? That's kind of my approach. If somebody cares, I will absolutely change. I will modify, adapt, shift, whatever word you want to use. But if I don't see a lot of people caring, then like my effort or my effort to do things differently is not fully there, I suppose. Yeah, I think that makes sense. If we're not causing undue stress or trauma or pain or suffering to the people in our lives, then why modify or ourselves for that matter, why modify a behavior? And and I think this does come back to your point earlier you raised Whitney of since we are talking about, you know, some of the ethical aspects of entrepreneurship and mindfulness around this is how many programs and books and courses and coaching programs are positioned sometimes very subtly around exacerbating someone's feelings of not enoughness of well you ought to enroll in this program you ought to take my coaching you ought to buy my book because my formula my program my 12 steps my this my that look at all the testimonials look at all the results it's something you and I we've had these conversations and and want to be increasingly mindful of our languaging and positioning of not exacerbating or agitating someone's feeling of lack or not enoughness or that they have a problem that we can solve for them, this pseudo-messianistic savior complex that bluntly, I see a lot of people on the internet and you know, whatever, why should they change? They're making a ton of money. But I think, you know, money and profit and success at the expense of psychologically manipulating people is just not worth it. And I personally see a lot of what what I feel is very unethical things in our industry. And it turns my stomach and it makes me sad. But beyond just focusing or demonizing people, I really think for me, I want to continue focusing, as I said, you know, on delivering things in integrity, keeping my word, not over-promising and under-delivering, and being really honest about what I can support people with. You know, not being like, oh, I can, yeah, I can do that thing for you I've never done before. And I think you and I have talked ad nauseum about how many people we see doing that. And and I think it's just a call for people to check themselves and keep their 
keep their desires in check. You know, we all want to be making a lot of money. Of course, money allows us to do things in the world. We all would like a measure of success and acknowledgement and recognition and importance, but we can't try and strive for those things at the expense of taking advantage of people, being dishonest, over-promising, not delivering. And I'm just, I'm saying that as a call to whoever's listening, who's in business or who's a content creator, please just, you know, let's all be very mindful together of how we're positioning ourselves, how we're talking to people and not subtly demeaning them or diminishing them to sell them a product. Well said. And I think anybody listening can appreciate that because nobody wants to be lied to or manipulated just so that somebody can make money off of them. You know, operating in integrity is incredibly important to us, at least, you know. And I think that's that's the interesting thing as we experiment with Clubhouse and reflect on it. Like, I think actually one thing I'm noticing is it's a privilege to be in an app like this from the get-go, like getting invited to something is a, is a privilege. I mean, it's literally a club right now. But it's also a privilege to get people to pay attention to you. And it's very humbling when they don't. Like for us, not having any strangers listening is a surprise. You know, I went in with this expectation, but now I have different expectations because of what we experienced today. And maybe next time I do a clubhouse, it'll be the same experience. Maybe it'll be different. I don't know. And so it actually allows me to let go of expectations and be humbled by the fact that I've had the privilege of having an audience for many years on other platforms. And now it's kind of starting from square one and scratch. And I think that's actually really cool. And I'm interested to see how Clubhouse develops. I mean, first of all, Jason, I'm curious, whatever happened to Kelly? She said she was going to check it out. Was it a it was an error, you think? Or did she just was it not a time sensitive thing? Like that that's the other thing I don't know. And I did hear from Jason Horton. He texted me and told me that he was at the post office and that's why he couldn't turn his audio on. Yeah, I don't know about Kelly. I'm gonna actually text her back and just check in. I mean, just say hi anyway. She's a good friend of ours. But maybe the next time we do this, we pre-invite people and let them know we're gonna do it, Whitney, so we can start to invite more people. And maybe that's a strategy of inviting friends that we know to be on these calls and these these group chats on Clubhouse. And maybe that'll be a momentum builder to attract more people in. Again, since it's a new thing and we're experimenting with it, we don't know what their algorithm is or if they even have an algorithm or what the, I suppose, tricks of the trade to build an audience on this platform. But I mean, why not try it? Again, we go back to starting this episode of radical experimentation. We don't know what we're doing, but let's try it and see what happens. And I think that that's ultimately, as we wrap this episode, you know, the spirit that we want to leave you with, dear listener, is don't think you have to be perfect. Don't think you have to get it right on the first, the second, the third, the 20th, the 50th try. Just, again, I think consistency and determination and resilience and experimentation, we can apply this to so many aspects of our life. So we're on this thing. It's our very first one. And maybe we'd be just a little bit more intentional and pre-invite people next time, Whitney. I don't know. I mean, we'll try things out and see what happens. It's a crapshoot. It's the Wild West. We don't know. For sure. And actually, it's funny because you can minimize. So while we're in our own room, you can click on at the top all rooms. And when I did that, two showed up for me on the feed because the feed is kind of similar to any other platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. And again, we'll I'll take a screenshot of this as reference in our show notes. The two that show up at the top of mine, one that says RIP Clubhouse with a, a laughing emoji symbol. And then the one underneath that says, my clubhouse is broken. Can anyone see this? So maybe we just happened to join Clubhouse, Jason, at a time where it wasn't functioning properly. 
And maybe that explains everything. And that goes back to my original point is sometimes the circumstances are not in your favor for for whatever reason. And you got to just let it go and flow with it and try it again because it could be very different the next time. So thank you, Jason, for experimenting. I'm going to go listen into one of these clubhouses and see if I can find out. I love your idea of scheduling them in advance. And since we might do this while we're recording podcast episodes, perhaps, you know, we do this with our guests on the show, like you know, just like we just did, we can record on there. I mean, the audio, we'd have to kind of figure out how to optimize it properly because it's it is a pain recording. And being on Clubhouse, we are using two different speakers and two different microphones. But overall, it went pretty smoothly. And I'd definitely be open to doing this again and planning it in advance. And I can't wait to experiment more. And and I'm curious how things have developed between this recording date and the date the episode comes out because social media changes so rapidly. For all we know, Clubhouse could actually be broken and be a permanent thing. <laughs> and we could be part of the clubhouse nostalgia, just like MySpace. So we're documenting a time that we have no idea what it will mean in the future, even a few weeks from now. So thank you, Jason, for being open to it. I appreciate your positivity and enthusiasm. I wasn't expecting that. I thought you were going to be like, there's no way I'm joining another platform, Whitney to hell with that. But you said yes. And so that challenged my assumptions that went beyond my expectations. And I'm really grateful for that experience too. So thank you. Thank you to Kelly Bennett for at least saying yes, even though it didn't work out. Thank you to Jason Horton. Thank you to our other friends and previous podcast guests that we will reference in the show notes of this episode at wellevator.com. Again, that's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We will also link to our Clubhouse profiles in case you get on that platform and want to find us. Otherwise, you can find us easily on Instagram under at Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. We're also on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, all the major platforms, and TikTok. Unbeknownst to you, oh, Kelly Bennett just showed up. Hi, Kelly. We're about to wrap up, but we're glad to see your face on here. Maybe we'll hang out a little bit. We're wrapping up our podcast episode. And speaking of 11th hour, actually, that was perfect timing based on the theme because we were talking about doing things at the 11th hour, sliding at the last moment, Kelly. And I love that. (laughs) That's what just happened as we're wrapping up our recording in our our room here. And I forgot what else I was going to say. Oh, I was going to tell you, Jason, that I posted a TikTok video yesterday on the Wellevator account of me sharing an embarrassing moment. So if anyone has not checked out our TikTok account for Wellevator, I will link to that as well if you want to hear me share a funny story. And that's that. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being open and following our journey with Clubhouse. And Kelly, I look forward to catching up with you a little bit after we finish up this episode. You know, maybe we'll, we were just talking about how we might schedule some Clubhouse rooms in advance and then record them on the podcast too. So to be continued. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.